Hello and welcome to Sobriety Elevated, the podcast that is committed to empowering you in your recovery and elevating your sobriety. Join us now for the next episode. We hope you create an incredible experience. Let's get the show started. You're back to another exciting episode, and this is part two in how are you going to support someone that is choosing sobriety? want to thank you, Kevin. Um, you're here with Jim Paconin and Kevin Thole. And thank you so much. So in this part two, can we talk a little bit? Let's start and we'll, you know, we'll see where it goes. But can we talk about a little bit about your recovery center experience? So if you go to a recovery center, whether you're going yourself or you're supporting someone there, what can you expect in a recovery center? Like, what are the things that you would recommend so that they can get the maximum out of going to a recovery center? I love that question, Jim, um, which, by the way, we didn't plan this question. So thank you for throwing it on me without uh, without any uh, preparation. But I think, number one, you know, I, I've I've been to Recovery Center once, you know, and when I was there, there were people who had been there 15, 20 times. And, you know, and it, it quote unquote, didn't work. And, you know, I think that it it works if you do the work. And for me, I went in there and I was so desperate. I had that gift of desperation where my life had been destroyed and I was going to lose everything, my family, my business, everything, if I didn't get help and get sober and change my ways, basically. So I went in there and I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do everything that they tell me to do. I can honestly say if you're in a good recovery center, and I, I recommend you know a 12-step based, spiritual based, which is if it's 12-step based, it is spiritually based, thankfully. That's just a little dig between Jim and I, just in case anybody didn't know. We, uh, we always have to, I have to remind him of that sometimes. But yes, we, you do. You know, yeah, but if we do what they say and we actually are, are ready to go to any length, as they say, to be sober and we do what they say, that's when you're going to get the most out of it. And I walked into treatment, a broken, broken man, like completely broken. It was more than just the substances. I had all this trauma and mental health stuff and all that, that I had to deal with. And the number one thing, and I've said this before for me, was honesty and openness and talking to the counselor that was there and then to the different people and even the other residents, being open and honest and being truthful about my life and how bad it was. You know, I had a guy in there um, and he was the very you know first day, he's like, you know, I don't even know why I'm here. You know, my court's making me be here and this and that. And then by like day 28... I mean, the stories that he was telling, he's like, oh, my God, I can't believe I didn't come here sooner. And, you know, he came in there kind of guarded, which I understand. And then by the end, he had opened up and uh, he's still sober to this day. And uh, it's been really cool to see that. And I think that the people that are open, honest, willing to do the work, that's where you're going to get the most out of it. And I'm going to add one point to that, because in the work that I do in recovery centers, I do spiritual addiction recovery. And I've not met many people who literally say they do spiritual addiction recovery. And I cannot tell you when I start my first workshop and I say, hey, or I start a workshop there and I say, hey, how many of you have not experienced my workshop? And the hands go up. Most people are rolling their eyes like, what are you going to teach us? But literally, 
the number of times that at the end of the workshop, their eyes are big as saucers and they're like, I have never experienced something like that. Whatever programs that they have, go and do them with full gusto. If you are in a recovery center, I've had people say, I'm just not into spiritual, I'm not going to do your workshop because I'm just not into spirituality. And the thing is, is I often chuckle because those are the ones that when they actually do it and they, they full on participate, I have seen their life transform. When you go to a recovery center, it's not the option of, I think I only want to do what feels comfortable for me today. No, do whatever they recommend you to do. And if you're a therapist or if somebody comes in like me, because it's like one of, one of the perks I get is I actually, at the place that I work right now, I actually get to do one-on-ones. And Kevin, that's how you and I interacted is the, the clinical director has so much trust in me. I've built that trust over, I want to say, close to 14 years that I can work with individual people And I cannot tell you the number of times that I have seen miracles in 45 minutes. Because when somebody is open, you are one of the, you're actually, you're kind of one of my top miracles. Yeah, that, that was it. And, and, uh, I will say this, this will be fun. Um, (laughs) so Jim said when people walk in and they hear him talk, they roll their eyes and they're like, who in the, is this guy? That was me. And that's the funniest part about the whole thing is, you know, I'm a, I'm a guy who was, you know, I was raised Christian. I am Christian now. And you hear the word spirituality and you kind of get like uncomfortable because you're like, wait, what is this? Some kind of weird thing. No, it's none of none of those things. It's not at all a problem. It doesn't spirituality and AA does not go against if you're a Christian, if you're a Muslim, if you're a, any of these things, it does not go against atheist. those. Yeah, if, exactly. Yeah, I should. I always. Yeah, I got to remember that. You know, there's there's all kinds of different people out there, but the <laughs> spirituality is not against anything that you're doing, and it really ties into your own personal spiritual beliefs. What I had was a, a spiritual awakening with Jim, where I was able to. the The best thing that I can say about spirituality for me was when my mind shifted from like fear to acceptance of my past, my life, and the things that happened to me and the things that I did, because a lot of things were bad. But I, once I accepted them and realized that that is, it is, it just is, it is what it is. And then I started to be able to live in the present moment. That was where my like spiritual awakening came. And again, this is like in every religion, this is like, like the, the way you're supposed to live is like in the moment, doing the right things right now so that in the future, good things happen. Like it's, it's completely and 100% a part of it. And so in the treatment center, you you said it, Jim, don't do things that are just comfortable. I know for me, I had tried everything, nothing worked to get me sober. So when I went in there, I said, I'm going to do everything that they ask. And for me, (laughs) you know, it was, we're doing these stretches and these weird things and these workouts that were even like I hiking and riding bikes. I hadn't ridden a bike in 20 years, you know, or more probably. And I'm riding 20 miles on a bike. I'm doing all this crazy stuff. I'm reading these prayers out loud. I'm reading this book in front of people. I'm telling all these people about how all these crazy things I did in my addiction, all things I never would have done. But that's when the freedom and like the quote unquote awakening started to happen for me. Well, so can I talk a minute about step work? Yes. 
Okay, so it's I what I really love about a lot of the whether it's AA based or otherwise, they have you do journaling work where you literally get to take all of these thoughts that are hidden in your mind that you literally think that you are the only one that has experienced these, and then you read them out loud in a group. And within whether you are leading that or whether you are listening to that, within a few of those, you truly understand that you are not alone in the pain that you hold inside. And if you're listening to this and you're supporting someone in recovery, there is going to be a day that they come back and they may read something to you and you just get to speak be the space where they understand that not only are they getting it out of them, but you can now see that we all hold on to this trauma and we all make this trauma mean something, which is usually the root of our addiction. But when we say it out loud, we have freedom. And freedom is one of the most powerful things you can give yourself or you can give someone that you're supporting in recovery. If you give them the freedom to be and get all of that dark gunk out, all of that lugubrious stuff, it literally doesn't stick anymore. And it is as if their soul is washed clean. And that's where sobriety gains so much power. And that's where you can literally be washed clean. You are given a baptism. I love that, Jim. Love it. Because it's true. Like the freedom is like the best part of sobriety for me. Like the freedom of like so many things. I mean, I was just like bound down to like drugs, alcohol, lies, deceit. I'm not anymore. And, you know, we're really focusing a lot on the addict here. And I think what's huge is, one, knowing you're not alone as an addict is, like, amazing. And I think we as recovery community do an absolutely horrible job in reminding people that are, like, married or in a relationship or have a loved one who's, who's struggling with addiction. They're not alone either. There are so many people out there that can relate. And that's one thing I love that my wife has done is she's really – We've really focused on reaching out to people like if they have a husband that goes to a treatment center, you know, reaching out to them, letting them know, hey, we're here to support and help you, things like that. And finding a community and finding a team is just as important for someone who's supporting someone in recovery as it is for somebody who's in recovery. I would challenge you out there if you're like, hey, I need to really help someone get sober, find a support group. You know, there's Al-Anon, which is a 12-step based one that birthed out of AA, their Celebrate Recovery. and there's probably like a million other ones that I just don't know about there's, or can't name right now. There's smart recovery. I mean, just Google recovery programs and find the one that you are in alignment with. Yeah. And you, and as, as someone who's supporting a loved one, know that there's going to be anybody who's in that recovery group has loved ones who have, <laughs> who have probably been through the ringer just like you have. So finding those people. And then also like the key to my success in recovery a lot of times is helping other people. And so if you're out there and you have had, let's say your loved one, you know, has some sobriety and some success in recovery and you've really worked and you have found freedom and you found restoration in, in your relationship or whatever, and you've been able to walk through some difficult times with them, 
go and find somebody who's going through what you went through and help them through it as well, because that is going to help you and keep you grounded and keep you realizing like staying grateful and, and in full of gratitude. And that's, that's where we can keep getting through it. A loved one, you know, you're out there and you're thinking, okay, my loved one, all right, I, I've heard all this. This all sounds great. Now, how do I get them in there? How do I do all of these things? And, you know, there's a lot to it. But number one, like I said, is, is get yourself prepared to help them. And then as you continue to change it, it will help them change as well, too. And one of the things I will say is that with my client who's getting sober, one of the first things that we, we actually did this, I want to say a month and a half ago is he's developed a team and he calls it his dream team. And we have biweekly meetings to make sure that he's supported. So if you're listening to this and you're supporting somebody, get a team together and get their commitment. And I have actually, as the one who's kind of facilitating that, I have asked what everybody's commitment is, and it is amazing how much and what they will do and what they're willing to do to make sure that the person you're supporting or to make sure that you stay sober. Yeah, the beauty of, of having a support team, and again, there are, there are groups that you can go to and you can be a newcomer and they can help you and talk you through it. It's incredible. The recovery community blows me away all, all the time. You know, I was out of town and it's, it's funny. I, I went to a recovery group. I went to it. There's, you know, about 40 people in there. And let's just say the demographics were different. People that don't know me, you know, I'm a, I'm a 36 year old white guy that kind of grew up in the suburbs. And I went to, um, an AA meeting where I was pretty much the only white guy, uh, one day. And those people loved on me and were there to support me. And so like recovery transcends race, economic status, et cetera. Uh, the next day I went to an NA meeting, which, um, you know, I struggled with narcotics, you know, definitely. But I, if you would see a picture of me compared to what a lot of people that go to NA, we always joke, me and my NA buddies. And, you know, they say, you just don't look like that guy, you know? And I was dressed nice from work. I had a button down and khakis on and I walked in and like, it's like the music stopped and like, who in the heck is this guy? What was cool is by the end, we're all laughing because we have that thing in common. So like that same camaraderie that we have as addicts and alcoholics and, 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 all, and just people that are a mess, you'll have that same camaraderie. If you walk into a room of a bunch of people whose spouse, friend, loved one has struggled with addiction and they've been through that ringer, they're going to have that same love and support for you. But the only way to do that is to build that team. Surround yourself with people who understand it. And know that that team can be diverse. And I don't mean with race and all that. I mean that too, of course. But just like different types of people than you. Because they're, they're going to relate to that same problem. Those guys and me, we maybe don't relate on a lot of different levels. But I'll tell you what, we relate to that obsession to drink and that obsession to use and how, how destructive it was and how it controlled our entire life. But now we relate on that new freedom and that new joy that we have in our life because we've worked a program. And that same spiritual program delivered both of us from that obsession. And I will say, because one of the things I'm hearing is also, as you choose sobriety and strengthen your sobriety, whatever preconceived walls that you have all fall away. 
because someone in sobriety wants to support someone else in sobriety and color, creed, race, any of that stuff, none of it matters. What matters is that we are human beings that are choosing to address our suffering, minimize our suffering, and strengthen the core of who you are such that you can develop and live a very strong recovery program. Yeah, that's, it's, it's all about, like you said, developing and living a strong recovery program. And that's the thing. Over yep. time, you're going to develop it. It's going to take time. We talked about it in part one of this, you know, a couple of days ago that you listened to. Building this up, if, if your loved one is struggling and they're trying to get sober, building it is going to take time and recovery is going to be a process. So the patience, that word patience just keeps coming to me, like being patient with people and being accepting, giving grace. I have a lot of people that reach out to me, like a lot of people just because of my public stance on all of this and they want help and they say they want help. And a lot of times it's three, four, five, six, seven, ten times before they actually take any of the advice that I had given them. And not that my advice is great. It's pretty simple. It's stuff we've talked about on all these podcasts, but they finally, when they're ready, they do it. And I have, if, if I got so frustrated with these people and I was like, cut them off and was like, no. And again, there's a time and a place for all that, but having this patience and having this grace with your loved ones who are struggling is going to be huge and it's going to support them. And I'm not saying be taken advantage of and be a victim and all those things. No, not saying that at all. I'm just saying leading with grace, leading with grace and patience with these people is going to help them in the long run. It absolutely is. So one, one story actually interesting. This is really seems unrelated, but I'll tie it together with everything that we're doing. So my daughter today, I went to drop her off at school. Her teacher it has been her teacher. This is her second year. And this teacher goes to church with us as our Sunday school teacher. And she's incredible, probably so awesome. And I said to, to Michaela today, I was challenging her. I said, hey, when somebody does something nice, I want you to, to tell them, good job, and tell them that you appreciate them. And she said, like my teacher. And I said, yeah, what do you like about my teacher? And she said, They're, she's so nice. And I said, well, what, what do you mean by that? She said, like, when you drop something, she just says, it's okay, we'll clean it up. And that like hit me so hard. And it, it really, because what it is, is it's because the teacher, whenever she made a mistake, didn't say, hey, what's wrong with you? Why did you spill it? She said, it's okay. We'll clean it up. And I think having that same attitude towards the addict or towards anybody in your life, really, is just saying, hey, you know what? You, you, you made a mistake. Let's figure out how to fix it. And I know with my sponsees and, and people in my life who maybe have had a relapse, I don't tell them how stupid they are. I say, okay, hey, how can we fix this? How can we get better? Let's work together and let's make it better. I learned a lesson from my daughter and her teacher today that, that seemed unrelated, but I just can tie it so much back to recovery. So lead with grace, lead with love, lead with patience. And I think what you'll see is you'll get more results out of that addict using those things than, than other things. That is a beautiful point to leave this on. So you're listening to part two in how to support someone in recovery. If you like what you're hearing, take three minutes and rate us because it impacts the algorithm such that more people can listen to us. Refer us to a friend. And I personally want to say thank you. The support that we are getting in these programs touches me. It, makes, it just makes everything worthwhile.
and it makes my life stronger. So I want to thank you. We look forward to hearing you in this next episode and um, create an empoweringly sober day. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you all soon. Thank you.